Hey, it's Nina with number 47. This is your brain on ketamine. Kernel flow helmet plus ketamine. What could go wrong? Hi friends, Nina here. Each week I address topics on longevity, psychedelics, and innovation suggested by you. If you're not a subscriber, here's what you missed so far this month. Number 44, to patent or not to patent. Number 45, Xer gaming, playing your way to fitness. Number 46, med three. Subscribe to get every post delivered straight to your inbox every Wednesday. Not seeing every note in your inbox, it could be going to spam. Make sure to mark not as spam in your email client and move the email to your inbox. Add ninapatrick at substack.com to your contact list and send an email to ninapatrick at substack.com. These steps can help your email client recognize your subscription to Nina's notes is not spam. In this note, this is your brain on ketamine, a quart of silver flames, spaghetti ice. If you are not subscribed to Nina's notes, click that subscribe button now. This is your brain on ketamine. Ketamine has been an FDA approved medical anesthetic since 1970. And in the early 2000s, a groundbreaking discovery was made about the antidepressant effects of ketamine. Traditional antidepressants targeting the monoamine system, the neurotransmitters serotonin, noradrenaline, and dopamine can take weeks or even months to show effects. Even worse, they don't work for everyone and their efficacy has been questioned by some medical professionals. Ketamine's antidepressant effect can manifest in as little as 40 minutes. This rapid action has led to its classification as a rapid acting antidepressant drug or RAD. Ketamine is a non-competitive N-methyl-D aspartate receptor antagonist which predominantly affects the glutaminergic system, which is involved in learning and memory. This is different from traditional antidepressants that act on the monoamine system, which is responsible for emotion, arousal, and certain types of memory, and also different from the classic psychedelics that act on the serotonergic system, which is critical for sleep, appetite, and mood. Regarding depression, research has indicated that large-scale brain networks are implicated in depressive symptomology and may be used as biomarkers for diagnosis and treatment optimization. To understand large-scale brain networks, you would need to complete neuroimaging studies, which are both expensive and complex. Typically, MRIs, or magnetic resonance imaging, are used in these studies. The studies can only be conducted at a hospital or clinic where these expensive devices are installed. This limits the ability to run large studies and makes conducting a large longitudinal study very difficult. A large longitudinal study, which covers a large group of people for a significant amount of time, is however needed to establish neurobiomarkers that can diagnose and indicate effectiveness of treatment for depression and other mental health disorders. As MRIs are not a scalable solution, an alternative has been proposed. That alternative is optical neuroimaging. Optical neuroimaging with functional near-infrared spectroscopy, FNIRS, has shown great potential to explore changes in brain activity. In a recent proof of concept study published in Nature Scientific Reports, a neuroimaging technique called Time Domain Functional Near Infrared Spectroscopy, TDFNIRS, was used to study the physiological effects of ketamine in humans. The study used a novel, portable, whole head TDFNIRS system called the Kernel Flow 1. Famous biohacker, tech mogul, longevity enthusiast, and CEO of Kernel, Brian Johnson took part in the experiment. He is also the founder of Project Blueprint, 
an experiment to determine whether it's possible to stay the same biological age. Read more on biological age versus chronological age and how to measure it in Nina's notes number eight. 15 healthy individuals participated in the study, which was not a study on the effects of ketamine for depression, but rather a proof of concept for using kernel flow for psychedelic studies on patients with depression in the future. Therefore, the study was not a clinical trial. The participants completed four study visits in total. The first was a screening visit, then a dosing visit with a placebo, then a dosing visit with ketamine, and finally a follow-up phone call. Participants completed multiple surveys at different time points over the course of the study to survey mystical experience, altered state of consciousness, and dissociative state. The results indicated that ketamine alters states of consciousness and reduces depressive symptomology. Ketamine has known effects on cardiac signals, such as heart rate and heart rate variability. The experiment used kernel flow to measure blood flow in the brain, cerebrovascular hemodynamics, and oxygenation. They found that ketamine affects the cardiovascular system and increases oxygenation. No difference in breathing rate was observed between placebo and ketamine dose. The study also found that ketamine reduces the whole brain fractional amplitude of low frequency fluctuations. The fractional amplitude of low frequency fluctuations, FALFF, has been shown to correlate with brain metabolism and is a proxy for local neuronal activity. Abnormal FALFF has been implicated in conditions like bipolar depression. The study also claims that ketamine acutely reduces prefrontal global brain connectivity when compared to placebo, which is different from previous fMRI studies which have shown ketamine increases brain connectivity. It has been believed that increasing brain connectivity is like rewiring the brain, which may be responsible for the reduction of symptoms of depression. By using a combination of physiological heart rate and neural FLAFF features along with answers to the mystical experience questionnaire, a model was created which has the ability to predict the peak of a participant's mystical experience. The study's primary goal was to demonstrate the potential of using FNIRS in clinical settings and to demonstrate the use of the kernel flow device. While the results are interesting, it's essential to note that this study had limitations. For one, the sample size was too small, and secondly, the participants were healthy volunteers, not actual patients with depression. The simplicity of the TDFNIRS in the kernel flow helmet may be an option to measure cortical function in longitudinal and long-scale studies in an outpatient setting, but more data is needed for a complete understanding of the impact of psychedelics on the brain. The Book of the Week, A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J. Moss, five out of five stars. Book five of the A Court of Thorns and Roses series follows Nesta, the main character, Pharaoh's sister. It is definitely the hottest and steamiest book of the series so far. I've used this Instagram video too many dang times now, but this book is crack. This is the last published book of the series for now, but don't worry, A Court of Thorns and Roses fans, there will be more. Book six has a scheduled release date in 2024 and a to be announced date for book seven. Check this out, behold, the spaghetti ice. This unique German ice cream dish is created using a spatial maker to turn ice cream into pasta-like strands, and then it's topped with a fruit sauce and white chocolate to resemble marinara and Parmesan. This spaghetti ice cream, or spaghetti ice, sells over 30 million cups each year. Germans do love their ice cream. The inventor, Dario Fontanella, unveiled his new creation at his ice cream shop, Ice Fontanella, in the 1970s, 
and is still running the company today at 71 years old. The Spaghetti Ice catapulted his business to success. Fontanella now has multiple shops selling spaghetti ice, cakes, pastries, coffee, and more than 200 flavors of ice cream, in addition to ice cream trucks and a factory for packaging all these sweet treats. Thanks for reading Nina's Notes number 47. If you like this newsletter, click the share button and send it to a friend.